Now the believers are being prohibited from certain marriages. When a man thinks of marrying someone, he is being told, these are the women you are not allowed to get married to. Who are they? Allah says, لَا تَنْكِحُوا Do not get married to مَا نَكَحَ That who married أَبَاؤُكُمْ Your fathers. Meaning, those women whom your fathers got married to, you are not allowed to get married to them. What does it mean then? مَا نَكَحَ أَبَاؤُكُمْ Those women whom the fathers have married, who are they? Either the mother or the stepmother. Right? Whether the marriage was consummated with her or not. Okay? Basically, it's a woman who has had nikah with one's father. And aba doesn't just mean father, but fathers as in grandfather as well. Maternal or paternal. Through one's mother's side or through one's father's side. So marrying the mother, the stepmother, the grandmother, the step-grandmother, this is something that is Forbidden. It is not permissible. وَلَا تَنْكِحُوا مَا نَكَحَ آبَاؤُكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ إِلَّا except مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ Whatever has happened. Salafa, what has passed before. سِينْ لَامْفَ Meaning, at the time of Jahiliyyah, this was something practiced. That if a man married a woman, divorced her, or the man died, then his son through another wife would marry the stepmother. Just as he would inherit the father's property, he would also inherit the father's wife. So Allah says, إِلَّا مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ Meaning whatever has happened in the past has happened. It doesn't mean that that marriage is still valid. No, it will be broken. It will be annulled. That marriage is finished now. But the sin is not there. Meaning a person is not sinful for what happened in the time of ignorance. But one should remember that إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَ this marriage, marrying the woman whom the father got married to, this is a fahisha, an indecent act. Wamakutan. What is maqt? Maqt, hateful. Maqt is from the root letters meme qafta, and it's ashaddul bult, meaning extreme hatred. Something that's very offensive, that you find very offensive. So Allah hates this. Someone who marries their stepmother, step-grandmother, is something that is hated by Allah. وَالسَّاءَ sabila And an evil way. It's evil as a way. Meaning it's an evil way of fulfilling one's desire or making a union. It's an evil practice. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some more women, some more female relatives who are forbidden for marriage. حُرِّمَتْ alaykum. It has been made unlawful for you. حُرِّمَتْ from haram. Who has made unlawful for you? Allah has made unlawful for you. Certain female relatives whom you are not allowed to get married to. Who are they? First of all, ummahatukum. Ummahat is the plural of um. Who is um? Mother. But just as the word aba includes father as well as grandfather, likewise the word um, ummahat, includes mother as well as grandmother. Paternal, as well as maternal, however upwards. Great-grandmother, so on and so forth. وَبَنَاتُكُمْ And your daughters. Banat is a plural of bint. Who is bint? Daughter. Now, bint, banat includes daughters, as well as granddaughters. Granddaughters, whether through one's son or through one's daughter, however low. And then daughters also includes the illegitimate daughter. Meaning if a man 
had a relationship with someone whom he was not married to and that woman gave birth to a daughter, then that daughter is also haram upon him because even though she doesn't have the same status as a daughter who was born out of wedlock, but still she is his biological daughter. وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ And your sisters. أَخْوَاتُ is a plural of أُخْت. أُخْت is the sister. Who is a sister? The daughter of your father and mother. Okay? Or it also includes stepsister. Which means either she shares the father with you or she shares the mother with you. Meaning you have the same father or you have the same mother or you have the same mother and father. You understand? So three kind of sisters. Then, وَعَمَّاتُكُمْ And your aunts, paternal aunts. Ammat is a plural of ammah. And ammah is a father-sister. So your father-sisters, paternal aunts, you are also not allowed to get married to them. وَخَالَاتُكُمْ Khalat is a plural of khala. And who is khala? Maternal aunt. Who is she? Your mother's sister. Okay? وَبَنَاتُ الْأَخْ And the daughters of your brother. The daughters of your brother. Who are they? Nieces. وَبَنَاتُ ukht And the daughters of your sister. Who are they? Again, nieces. Okay? These seven women, seven female relatives, they are related to a man through nasab, through blood. Alright? And these seven female relatives are forbidden for marriage. Notice cousins are not in this. So cousins are? Permissible for marriage. Okay? Now, another category of women are mentioned. And who are they? They are muharramat through radar, through suckling, through nursing. وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمْ And your mothers, اللَّاتِي those who أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ who nursed you. From radar, رَضَادْعِينَ Meaning those women who have breastfed you, who have nursed you, whether they're your aunts or a random woman, Whoever she is, if she has nursed you, then you cannot marry her. وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ And your sisters, plural of أُخْت, مِنَ الرَّضَعَ Through suckling. Meaning, the woman who nursed you, there is no blood relationship between the two of you. She nursed you. And she has a daughter as well. Now that daughter is like your sister. You can't marry her. Or if she has nursed another girl who is not her daughter, someone else's daughter, but she has nursed her. You understand? So again, she is your sister through rada'ah. She is also forbidden for marriage. وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَعَ So these two relationships through, these two female relatives through rada'ah. So if a woman has nursed you, and she's also nursed another boy, then you're mahram. Cool. You don't have to wear hijab in front of them. Okay? They're your brothers. وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَعَ Now the third category, which is those female relatives who are forbidden for marriage through musahara. Musahara meaning through nikah. Okay? وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ And the mothers of your wives. The mothers of your wives. Who are they? Mother-in-law. Okay? The good old mother-in-law. She is not allowed to be married by the son-in-law. Then, وَرَبَائِبُكُمْ and your stepdaughters, اللَّاتِ fi hujurikum, Those which are in your care, in your laps, meaning under your guardianship. Rabaib is a plural of Rabiba. And Rabiba, from Rababa, is the wife's daughters with another husband. A man gets married to a woman, and she has daughters from before, from another husband. Now, those daughters of that woman, 
They are fi hujurikum. They are in your lab. Hujur plural of hajr meaning lab. What does that signify? Guardianship. Meaning you're like a father figure to them. How can you even think of marrying them? If someone is in your lab, you're like a father figure to them, right? You're their guardian. So they are also forbidden to you for marriage. وَرَبَائِوَكُمُ اللَّاتِ فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِن نِسَائِكُمْ From those women, meaning the daughters of those women, those wives, اللَّاتِ Those who دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ You have entered them. What does it mean? That you have had sexual relations with them. What does it mean? That you marry a woman, nikah took place. She already has daughters from before. Nikah took place, marriage was consummated, both are living together. Now this woman has daughters. The husband cannot marry them ever. He cannot marry those daughters ever. Why? Because the nikah with their mother was consummated. Allah says, فَإِن then if لَمْ تَكُونُوا دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنْ If you did not enter them, meaning you did not consummate the marriage with the woman, let's say the nikah took place, the contract took place, and something happened, and the man decided or you know, that this should not carry through, so they never lived together, consummation did not happen. Let's say he finds that, oh, she's extremely old. She has daughters who are so old. They're married. So he says, no, I was misinformed. I do not wish to continue with this. So he decides to divorce. The marriage was never consummated. They never lived together. Now after some time, he finds out about the daughter of that woman. Okay? And he finds out that she is similar to him in age. There is more compatibility between the two of them. And he wants to get married to her. Can he? Yes, he can. Why? Because the marriage with the mother was not consummated. This is why Allah says that فَإِلَّمْ تَكُونُوا دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنْ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ There is no sin upon you. Meaning then you may do so. Then, وَحَلَائِلُ أَبْنَائِكُمْ And the halail of your sons. Halail is the plural of halila. And halila literally is one who has been made halal. Who is she? One who has been made halal. Now Halil is the husband and Halila is the wife. Because both are made halal for each other. So Halal refer to the wives. The wives of who? Of your sons. Meaning your son, he got married to a woman and then he divorced her or your son died. You can't marry his ex-wife or his widow. You can't do that. But which sons? Because in the Arabs it was very common to just you know, if there was a man, if there was a boy, they liked him, they wanted to take him as your son, they would say, you are our son. Even though there was no blood relationship between the two. Allah says, those sons that are alladheena, those whom in aslabikum from your loins. What does it mean? Aslab is the plural of sulb. And sulb is the back. Okay? Sulb is the back. So it means those sons who have been born of your liquid, meaning they are your biological sons. Not your adopted sons, but rather your biological sons. Alright? So if a man, his son, his biological son gets married to a woman, divorces her, dies, whatever, the father cannot marry the daughter-in-law. Ever. This marriage can never take place. But if that son was an adopted son, meaning there is no biological relationship between the father and the son. Adopted son. Not in the Islamic sense, but in the other sense where, you know, the person just declares them to be the son. Okay? So in that case, if they divorce their wife or whatever, then the father can get married to that wife. Can you think of an example of when this happened? 
Yes. The Prophet ﷺ, before prophethood, he declared Zayd as his son, adopted son, mutabanna. Alright? And he got him married to his cousin as well, eventually. But that marriage did not work out. So he divorced her. When he divorced her, in Surah Al-Ahzab, we will learn about this, that how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala got her married to the Prophet ﷺ. Why? To make it clear to the people, there were many other benefits in this marriage as well, but one of the benefits was that people know that they can marry the ex-wives of their adopted sons. Meaning, the ex-wife of the adopted son, you know, there's no relationship of hurmah between them. وَحَلَائِلُ أَبْنَائِكُمُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ أَصْلَابِكُمْ And then, وَأَن تَجْمَعُوا بَيْنَ الْأُخْتَيْنِ And that you join, you gather together between two sisters. أُخْتَيْنِ is a dual of أُخْت. What does it mean? That a man marries a, a woman and he also marries her sister. Okay? Meaning he cannot marry two sisters at a time. He cannot marry two sisters at a time. But can this happen? That if he marries a woman, she dies or he divorces her and then later he decides to marry her sister. Can that happen? That can happen. That is permissible. Because they're not married to him at the same time. But can they be married to him one after the other? Yes, that can happen, but not at the same time. And not just sisters, but also aunt and niece. Aunt and niece in the same way cannot be joined together at the same time. In a hadith we learned that لا يُجْمَعُ بَيْنَ الْمَرْأَةِ وَعَمَّتِهَا وَلَا بَيْنَ الْمَرْأَةِ وَخَالَتِهَا This is a hadith in Bukhari. That a woman and her paternal aunt cannot be the co-wives of one man. Likewise, a woman and her maternal aunt cannot be the co-wives of one man at the same time. وَأَن تَجْمَعُوا بَيْنَ الْأُخْتَيْنِ إِلَّا مَا قَدْ صَلَفْ Except for that which has happened. Meaning if such a marriage did take place in the past, you're not sinful for it. However, the marriage will be annulled. It will be finished. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمًا Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ Next just please. وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ And the married women. Meaning, they are also forbidden upon you for marriage. وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ From among the women. مُحْصَنَات is a plural of مُحْصَنَة. And مُحْصَنَة is from the root letters ha sad noon Have you heard of حِسْنُ muslim حِسْنُ muslim What does it mean? Fortress of the believer, right? Fortress of the believer. So حِسْن is a fortress. مُحْصَنَة is someone who has been fortified. Someone who has been protected. Someone who has been protected. Now the word muhsana is used in different ways. One of the ways in which this word is used is that it gives a meaning of a free woman as opposed to a slave woman. Why is she called muhsana? Because her freedom ensures her security and safety. You know, her safety, security is not ensured. In the sense that she can be sold by the master. The master can force her to do something that's wrong. He can force her into something that she dislikes. You know, there's a difference in the status. The free woman is more secure compared to the slave woman. I'm not saying that it's okay to treat a slave woman like that. Alright? But I'm just making you understand. Secondly, muhsanat is also used for a chaste woman. Meaning a woman who does not commit zina. Who does not commit illegal, unlawful 
sexual intercourse, she is a chaste woman because she has fortified herself. Men approach her, they desire her, they want her. But she has you know, fortified her that no, you cannot access me. You can't touch me. You can't sit right next to me. You can't see my hair. You can't see me. You can't see my body. She is muhsana. She is chaste. You understand? Because a woman who is not chaste, then what happens? Men have access to her. They can enjoy her. Like for example, if a woman dresses up in a particular way, goes in front of men, deliberately you know, showing herself off, men are enjoying her. But on the other hand, a woman who is covered up, she is muhsana. A woman who agrees to do zina, she is not muhsana. Okay? Then likewise the word muhsana is also used for a married woman. Why a married woman? Because she is also fortified. Nobody can marry her. A single woman, you know, she can be married too, but a muhsana, other men don't have any access to her. They can't marry her. So over here Allah says, وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ And the married women. Over here muhsanat gives the meaning of married woman. It doesn't mean free, it doesn't mean chaste, but rather it means married over here. So those women who are married are also forbidden for you to marry. Meaning a woman cannot have multiple husbands at a time. A married woman cannot be proposed to. And this prohibition is so strong that when a woman's husband dies and she is in her idda, another man cannot even propose to her. Isn't that what we learned earlier? A man cannot even propose to a woman who is in her idda. There's such a strong prohibition. So وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ illa one exception where a married woman can be married to in which case ma malakat aymanukum that which your right hands possess what does that refer to the slave women what does this mean this means that the only exception from married women are those women who become slaves all right because when a woman becomes a slave, then she loses her marital status. Even though her husband may not have divorced her, even though she may not have asked for divorce. Alright? She has lost her marital status. So such a woman, you can marry her. Now, what is this referring to? In Arabia, the tradition was that if two groups battled one another, they went to war with each other. And whoever won managed to also get some captives, prisoners of war. Okay? Now those prisoners of war, they will be treated in different ways, depending on the situation. Sometimes those prisoners would be killed. Alright? Other times they would be returned for a ransom. Okay? And other times they were made into slaves. You might say, but how? Why? Doesn't make sense. You're taking somebody's freedom. Now, think about it. If there is a person who has been caught at a battlefield, why have they been caught? Because they came fighting against you. They came with the intention to harm you. Correct? If you leave them, you say, no, no, forgive, forgive, forgive. What's going to happen? They're going to come and fight you again. If you leave them, if you set them free, let them go, then what's going to happen? They're going to go back and come and fight you again. But if you say, no, we're going to take them away from their homeland and bring them to our country and bring them to a different city and leave them over there. Okay, you leave them over there. What's going to happen? They're going to have no family. 
no work, they're going to be lost, and it's going to lead to many problems. Correct? So, one of the best solutions is that the captives are not jailed in closed places where they're living yet not living. They're living in a graveyard of living beings, literally, where they don't have any freedom, nothing. They cannot get back into the society. And in prison, you know what happens. Like for example, in Pakistan recently, a prisoner, uh, he was beaten to death by other inmates. Right? He was beaten to the point that he got into a coma and then eventually he died. And there's been so much reaction over it. Right? International reaction over it. So anyway, if such people are imprisoned in jails, A, you have to look after the jails. Right? It's a burden on the government. B, you can't ensure their responsibility. And C, you're harming them. So one of the best solutions is that integrate them into the society. But which society? That in which they will go and create fasad again and harm the Muslims again? No. Integrate them into a society where they will learn something, where they will worship Allah, where they have some freedom, but they don't have the freedom to do wrong. Okay? And in this case, what is done is that they are given to a Muslim family. Okay? They are to take care of them. They are to treat them like a family member. There are many rights of slaves in Islam, which is a completely different topic. But they are to be a part of a family. And there are many benefits in this. They have their freedom. They won't do wrong again. Okay? They can integrate back into the society. And we see that in Islam, slavery was not abolished. Okay? It was not abolished completely. Why? Because it was so widespread. It was so common. But many teachings were given which would cause slavery to reduce eventually. Or which worked in favor of the slaves. Okay? Or which seemed to be the best option for the people in that situation. When we think of slavery, we cannot understand it fully because we have never seen it. We can never imagine it. The lifestyle now, the living standards now, the understanding of freedom, everything is very different. The society back then was very different. Okay? So realize that you cannot fully comprehend it. So just because we cannot fully comprehend it does not mean we reject it from the very beginning. Have some tolerance over here, alright? So, this seemed to be one of the best options. And this is the reason why captives were taken in within the Muslim society so that they were integrated, so that they could become a part of a society. And we see that Slaves, they had many rights and eventually they could also buy their freedom. But they were exposed to a Muslim culture. They were exposed to an Islamic lifestyle which they could not have been exposed to elsewhere. And we see in Islamic history that there have been so many scholars who were actually children of slaves. You know that? Scholars who were children or slaves or who were ex-slaves. Let me give you one example. Abdullah bin Umar, radiallahu anhu, the companion of the Prophet ﷺ. He had a slave whom he freed. His name was Nafir. And he became the teacher of Imam Malik. He became the teacher of Imam Malik. Can you imagine a slave, ex-slave, being a teacher of a great scholar who eventually grew to be a great scholar? So slaves were 
don't think of them as you know people who are abused and physically they are not given any rights and they are to serve all day and serve all night and they are treated as sex objects no don't think in that manner slavery in islam is not like how it was in north america okay it's not the same it's very different so don't think of them the same way and we see that there was a dynasty known as the mamluks who became the kings of the Muslims. And you know what Mamluk means? One who is owned. They were actually slaves by origin. But imagine how they became slaves, gradually they gained their freedom, and excelled so much in society, that they came right to the top. They came right to the top. They became the kings. Mamluks. Imagine. So we see many examples like that. Now when it comes to a slave woman, Because this is what the ayah is talking about. Allah says that you may get married to her. What does it mean? That when the slave women, let's say the war captives, of them are women, they are brought. And then they are given to certain families. Alright? Now they're given to certain families. Let's say a woman ends up being a slave woman in the house of a particular family. Now, this woman, the master can do different things with her. In the sense that he can sell her if he wants to. Or she can be the servant of the family. So no one has sexual relations with her at all. She's just a servant for the whole family. Let's say their brothers and their father, you know, whatever. She's just a servant. And it's also possible that he frees her and marries her. Or frees her, just like that. Or he chooses her for himself. The master chooses her for himself. Now when he chooses her for himself, what does it mean? That she is... His slave woman only. Meaning he can have relations with her, alright? But only he can. No one else can. This is just like a husband only can have relations with his wife. No other man can. Likewise, the master only can have relations with his slave woman. No other man can. Not his brother, not his son. No one can. Only he can. And if she gives birth to a child then that slave woman gets the status of Ummu Walad. Ummu Walad, the mother of the child. And what that means is that when the master dies, then she is automatically free. You understand? She is automatically free. Now there is one problem. What if the slave woman does not want it? She doesn't want to be treated like that. Then what is to happen? She refuses. She does not want at all. Then there's a hadith that we learned which is reported in Sahih Muslim. Hilal bin Yasir reported that a person got angry and slapped his slave girl. Suwaid bin Muqarrin, he said to him, you could find no other part to slap but the prominent part of her face. Meaning, really? You couldn't slightly nudge her, hit her on her arm. You only found the face to slap. I mean, how evil can you be? Why did you do that? He said, I was one of the seven sons of Muqarrin. And we had one slave girl. And that means she was treated like a servant in the house. And the youngest of us slapped her. He got mad and he slapped her. And Allah's Messenger wasallam commanded us to set her free. If a slap required the master to set the slave woman free, You think it's allowed for a Muslim master to rape his slave woman? No. 
Not at all. You think it's allowed for him to treat her like a sex object? No, not at all. If she refuses, she resists, she cannot be forced into it. Then he has to figure something else out. Like for example, he says, fine, I'll give her away, I'll set her free, I'll let her go. This is just like at one occasion, some female captives were brought and they were distributed amongst the people. And one of the women was Juwaidiyah radiallahu anha. Remember her story? Yeah? So she was given to a man who did not have a high status. But Juwaidiyah radiallahu anha, she had a very high status in her family. She came from a Jewish tribe. She had a very high status. She came and complained, I can't be with this man, no way. So then what happened? The Prophet ﷺ took her, instead set her free and married her. And she became Muslim too. So you see, her choice was respected. You know, her feelings were acknowledged. So don't think of slavery in Islam like slavery in other cultures. It's a different system altogether. Alright? So over here Allah says that if there is a slave woman who was married, but now that she's brought into captivity and given as a slave, then you can marry her. You can marry her. And what does that mean? That you can set her free and you can get married to her. There is no blame on you on this. Kitab Allahi alaykum. This is the decree of Allah upon you. Meaning all of these instructions that Allah has given, this woman haram for marriage, this woman haram for marriage, this is a decree on you. This is something that you have to do. وَأُحِلَّ لَكُمْ And permissible for you, meaning permissible for you for marriage, مَا وَرَاءَ ذَلِكُمْ is that which is besides that. Meaning all other women, besides the women that are mentioned over here, they are permissible for you to marry. Alright? But what's the condition for marriage? The condition for marriage is أَن تَبْتَغُوا بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ That you seek with your wealth. تَبْتَغُوا from ibtigha' to seek. You seek with your money. Meaning that when you marry a woman, you have to give her the mahar. You have to. You can't take her for granted. You can't take her for free. You have to give her the mahar. Not her parents, not her brother, her. And when you should marry her, muhsineen ghayra musafiheen. What does muhsineen mean? This is used for men. Muhsanat, women. Muhsineen, men. Muhsineen is a plural of muhsin. And muhsin is one who fortifies himself, limits himself. Meaning, you will marry her and you will limit yourself to her. Meaning you will limit yourself to the women whom you are married to. Desiring chastity. That you marry her and you establish relations with her. Not with other women. غَيْرَ musafihin, Not unlawful sexual intercourse. Meaning when you marry, you should not marry just for the purpose of lust. And that's it. And as soon as that lust is over, you move on. Like for example, a person says, you know, he really loves a woman, or he really wants to have relations. So he goes and just does a contract with a woman, you know, nikah contract, and then has relations with her. And that's it, finished. This kind of marriage is called mut'a marriage. And it's similar to prostitution. Okay? Where a woman is a prostitute, she's paid for the relationships that are established with her. And mut'a marriage is that you make the legal contract, but it's just temporary. It's made with the intention of Divorce. It's made with the intention of just fulfilling the desire and not really establishing a family. You understand? So Allah says, غَيْرَ musafihin. Don't enter into a marriage until you're serious about it. Marriage is not just the mere fulfillment of lust, of desire. It's a major contract for a good purpose. 
فَمَسْتَمْتَعْتُمْ بِهِ مِنْهُنَّ So whatever you benefit, you enjoy through it from them, فَآتُهُنَّ أُجُورَهُنَّ Then give them their ujur. Ujur is a plural of ajr. It means wage. But over here it's referring to the mahr. And why is the word wage used for mahr? Because just as a wage, a worker deserves it. It's his right. Likewise, a woman, she deserves her mahr. It's her right. And Allah says, faridah, an obligation. Meaning when you benefit from the woman, from the wife, you have entered into a relationship with her, limit yourself to her, and make sure you give her her mahr. This is an obligation on you. وَلَا عَلَيْكُمْ And there's no blame on you. فِيمَا تَرَاضَيْتُمْ بِهِ In that which you mutually agree with. تَرَاضَيْتُمْ From رَاضَادِيَ That both of you have mutually agreed. Okay? What? مِنْ بَعْدِ الْفَرِيضَةِ After the obligation. What does it mean? That the husband and wife decided that, okay, the husband was going to give a particular amount as mahr to the woman. But later on they mutually agree that you know the husband says, okay, let me give you this much instead. She says, okay. Or he says, you know, I intended to give you this much money because I was expecting this much profit, but I haven't. Is it okay with you if it's less? She says, yeah, sure, why not? So if they mutually agree with it, they come to mutual terms later on, it's okay, there's no blame on them. The husband said, I'll give you a house. And later on he says, a house is not practical, can I just give you cash? Sure. The husband says, I'll give you jewelry. Later on he says, it's not possible to give you jewelry, can I just give you cash? She says, yeah, sure. But, تَرَضَيْتُ Both have to agree. So there is no sin in that. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا Indeed, Allah is knowing and wise. So, the commands that He has given over here, they are based on His knowledge and based on His wisdom. Therefore, accept and submit. Recitation. وَلَا تَنْكِحُوا مَا نَكَحَ آبَاؤُكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ إِلَّا مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَمَقْتًا وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ وَعَمَّاتُكُمْ وَخَالَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُ الْأَخِ وَبَنَاتُ الْأُخْتِ وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمُ اللَّاتِي أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَاعَةِ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَاعَةِ وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ وَرَبَائِبُكُمُ اللَّاتِي فِي حُجُورِكُمْ وَرَبَائِبُكُمُ اللَّاتِي فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِنْ نِسَائِكُمُ اللَّاتِي دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنْ فَإِن لَّمْ تَكُونُوا دَخَلْتُم بِهِنَّ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَحَلَائِلُ أَبْنَائِكُمُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ أَصْلَابِكُمْ وَأَن تَجْمَعُوا بَيْنَ الْأُخْتَيْنِ إِلَّا مَا قَدْ سَلَفَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَّحِيمًا 
وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ إِلَّا مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَأُحِلَّ لَكُمْ مَا وَرَاءَ ذَلِكُمْ أَن تَبْتَغُوا بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ مُحْصِنِينَ غَيْرَ مُسَافِحِينَ فَمَا اسْتَمْتَعْتُمْ بِهِ مِنْهُنَّ فَآتُوهُنَّ أُجُورَهُنَّ فَرِيضَةً وَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي مَا تَرَاضَيْتُمْ بِهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ الْفَرِيضَةِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا Any questions you may have about slave women? Any misconception? Tomorrow, inshallah, we will discuss this as well. This will come again. So make sure you write down your questions or your concerns. Okay? And don't forget them. Because it's good to clarify. Because this is something that is objected so much. This is something that people target so much to defame our religion. So we have to be clear on this. Alright? Subhanakallah wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.